You're listening to episode five of the Subscription Boss podcast series brought to you by CrateJoy with The Product Boss. In this episode, we talk about something oh so very important, and that is sourcing. Sourcing is a big obstacle for people, and we are giving you tons and tons of tips and resources to help you in that journey of sourcing your products for your subscription box. Also, keep in mind, we front load this episode with listing out the things that we're going to be talking about. Then as we get into the episode, we start throwing out way more ideas that we stumble upon just in chatting back and forth and getting digging deeper into each resource that we're talking about. So there's just tons and tons of content in here. So make sure you listen to the whole thing and jot down some notes of where you want to go further. So let's get started. Welcome to season one of the Subscription Boss series brought to you by The Product Boss with your hosts and product experts, Jacqueline and Mina. We invite you to explore the subscription box business model with us to add reoccurring revenue to your bottom line, plus increase your visibility. Interested? Keep listening. Let's build together. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Subscription Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Snyder, and I am with my co-host, Mina Kunlo-Zitap. Hey, Mina. Hey, Jacqueline. So we're excited today to share with you sourcing secrets. We thought this would be such a valuable podcast and episode for our listeners if you're considering starting your own subscription box. Yeah, we thought about naming this Sourcing Sorcery because we'll be wizards (laughs) at sourcing, (laughs) but a little bit, you know, too difficult to explain there. So Sourcing Secrets it is. And so this is something that people get stuck at, right? There are people that are creative and just can keep digging and digging and digging and find their way. And I will say that that's one of Mina's superpowers. And then there's other people that sort of want to be told, where do I go? Maybe you want a one-stop shop or one sort of platform to buy off of. And so we have a bunch of different options for you here. So Mina, maybe we could start with front-loading the episode by giving them a rundown of all the points, and then we will dig into each of them. Yeah. First, I wanted to kind of relay a point that Crate Joy had said. So when you're doing sourcing, you want to do maybe three or four months at a time. So when you're doing sourcing, um, so you're not getting stuck every single month, just be thinking of what can I have in upcoming boxes as well. So before we you know, dig into that, I just wanted to give you that reminder. So you can be thinking of that as, you're, as we're going through this. Yeah, that's a great reminder. So in working with your customer success manager, they actually, as they're starting to onboard you, so helping you with your pre-launch and onboarding into the CreateJoy platform, they actually have this amazing worksheet and it's four months of sourcing. So basically getting your next four months figured out where you're getting all your product from, you know, the price point, the shipping details. So that way, you know, the next four months are covered. I love that because an Excel sheet is so helpful and they're organizing you for you before you ever realize that you need to do it. So let's think ahead of time. And when you're thinking of sourcing, you're also thinking of the season or the month that you're shipping in and what the needs might be for your customer at that point. Yeah. And it's not set in stone. It could definitely be loose, but it gives you an idea of whether or not you're hitting those margins. The ideal margin for a subscription box is 35 to 45%. So keep that in mind when you're sourcing that it doesn't really matter how much your box is. It matters how much your margin is at the end of the day. So we saw some boxes, really successful boxes that were over $100 and they have the margin built in there, you know? Um, and then we had, we saw really successful ones that were, you know, 25 to $35 and hopefully they have their margin built in there too. So really think about that as you're sourcing. And your margin can fluctuate. And we talked about this on our episode, I think with Julie Ball of Sparkle Hustle Grow. But sometimes you might have a better price point for yourself associated with the box for that month. It might be cheaper versus she had talked about having like a hard a hard covered book shipped in another box. And so actually shipping was more expensive. So making sure that you know, you know that your margin can fluctuate. Obviously, we want you to have the best margin possible, but there might be a month that you have a more expensive product. Or if you have a more expensive product, maybe there's less things that go in the box. 
The other thing I want you all to think about is also having a plan B, like a backup plan. So if heaven forbid something happens with sourcing, it comes in, it's not up to quality. You know, there's issues with deliveries. There's, you know, whatever it is, there's a delay and you can't get it in the box. You're going to just want to have something that you know that you could back it up with. So either someone you can order from quickly to replace those items and you should know this ahead of time or be willing to scooch things around. So maybe if you've already sourced and you've got something for your box three months from now, you may have to switch it and compensate and put it into the current box. But just always be flexible and always have a plan B. And always, always get a sample, you know. Uh, yeah. So if it's into your box, you know how much it weighs, you know what it feels like and you know in person what it looks like because as we talk about, there's photos can be deceiving in a good way and in a bad way, right? So sometimes they don't look, they're a different size. We had talked about how sometimes when you can't visually figure out what the size of a box is or know ahead of time, then it comes and it's like this little tiny box. I've done that so many times where I'm like, why is this such a baby box? (laughs) Like tiny box, like for... (laughs) Pebbles, like I don't even know pebbles. Who even collects pebbles? Yeah, and a lot of times I'll get like toiletries. So then it's like um, shampoo, and then it'll become. They're like tiny, you know. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this thing! I paid thirty dollars for this tiny little tube. (laughs) So sourcing, I think that's another. Yeah, that's a great tip that you want to sample it. Sometimes people will make you pay for samples, and sometimes you can get them for free. Or, or let's say you are ordering samples and you're serious about it, you can ask them if they'll discount that sampling rate and when you get into production. So just find out because you also might be paying for shipping or they're paying for shipping for sampling. And it's just something that might come up in terms of your budget. I always think of it as a cost of doing business. I never gripe over having to pay for samples because you know what? That you're buying something from them and you want to know that you're getting it right. And I'm paying ahead of time for those samples. Even if it's like $30 or $50, I'll pay for it knowing that come time when I order that huge amount that I'm going to get the quality that I want. So I never gripe over having to pay for samples ever. I think there's just this misconception where back in the day when people used to source overseas, they used to get a bunch of stuff for free. You know, Mm -hmm. they'd get like their sampling done for free. They'd get it sent and then it would go into production. But so much happened in the sampling stage and people wouldn't pursue the production or the sale of it that a lot of people started charging for samples. So just make sure it's all clear up front for you. Yeah. I feel like people think that this, that synonymous with samples is free. (laughs) Because when you're thinking, oh, I'm just going to sample it, it just, in your mind, you think it should be free, but that's not the case usually. Okay. So um, should we front load and kind of go through how we're going to break down this episode so it can be actionable? So we kind of want to do boots on the ground versus fingers on the keyboard, right? For sourcing. Yeah. For sourcing. So do we want to go through the actual sources? Yeah. Let's give our lists. And then okay. We'll so fingers on the keyboard would be like Indigo Fair, Etsy, Wholesale, eBay, Google, becoming a Google whiz, and then AliExpress and Alibaba. Those are the Chinese ones. Boots on the ground would be going to actual retail stores, going to trade shows, going to wholesale districts, going to farmers markets, and really a lot of, a lot of places. Great. So let's talk about fingers to the keyboard first. So basically you get to sit at home behind your desk, wherever you are with your computer or your phone. And this is where we're going to have you source from your computer without actually being in front of a physical product. Yeah. So first one that I had mentioned is Indigo Fair. It's a new up and comer and it is amazing. We go there. We are. They have (laughs) amazing packaging and then there's a minimum. So then you have to get like you know, 24 of this particular thing. But usually it's like something that looks amazing. So it can really help with the branding of your box. So they have everything from beard oil to backpacks, you know, that's not their slogan, but you But it feels very like artisanal, right? Like it's very, it's kind of like for the hipster, um, really cool finds. And if you're a product-based entrepreneur, or business, you could, you, if you had something, you could technically be selling on that platform as well, where people can source from you. Yeah. I think it gives all that feel because I think it is, I think it's fair trade. So you can't like buy stuff on AliExpress and resell it on, you know, Indigo Fair at a wholesale rate. So it's really cool because all the packaging is really just amazing. So you can go on there, just look for packaging ideas, or you can go on there to actually source 
and they have so much stuff. And just so everyone knows, we're going to put this list in the show notes. So don't even worry about pulling over your car and writing notes or freaking out that you're not going to remember. It is all in the show notes. Yeah. Um, The next one, I didn't even mention this in our list is hubba.com. I totally forgot about this one. This one is a platform that they're bringing wholesalers or not wholesalers, boutique owners on and merging them with brands. So they're introducing them to each other. So it's just like how those platforms where there's ones where they bring together influencers with brands. This is wholesalers with brands, so buyers with brands. So I actually put little labels on there on hubba.com and I got somebody reaching out that had like a boutique. So like if you're a brand, you would go that route. But if you're an actual buyer for your um, box, your subscription box, you would go in there and look for brands that you could buy at a wholesale rate from. So all of it, it's wholesale pricing. So when we say wholesale pricing though, you could negotiate with them for less or, you know, and give them, give them a marketing package along with it, or you could pay wholesale because sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah. So sometimes you can negotiate wholesale if you're buying a lot, a lot of units, you know, so they'll offer bigger discounts for the more you buy. And this is not 50 to hundred pieces. Typically it's like thousands of pieces. And when you get into those, that amount of units, the margins also become so particular that like it might be a five cent margin, but that or five cents off, but that's huge. So when I get quotes in production for fashion products or fashion lines, um, you know, they'll say 35 cents off or 45 cents off the more we climb, but it's a big deal when it ends up being at your retail price. So speaking of that, then another type of um, online platform would be Fashion Go. We actually met them in Vegas and they are also a wholesale platform. So everyone that is starting a subscription box, you need to realize that you are now buyers. So if you're not supplying your own product in the box every month, now you're actually almost like a retail store or an online boutique where you're now a buyer and you're buying product for your box. So if you're looking for accessories or clothing, depending on what type of box you're doing, that's another option. And then they sell in packs. So, you know, like a six pack of shirts would be two smalls, two mediums, two larges, something like that. Yeah. They had various things on there, not just fashion, but they are called Fashion Go. Was it fashiongo.com or fashiongo.net? I will figure that out and put it into the show notes. (laughs) And it was really cool. You have to get registered on there as a buyer and kind of think of yourself as someone who is sourcing every single month and really becoming the buyer of your subscription box. So the next one is Etsy Wholesale. So there is a, a whole different side of Etsy that's not buying direct one piece by one piece. There's a side where they actually give wholesale rates called Etsy Wholesale. So a lot of people don't know this exists, but you go on there to find Etsy buyer or Etsy sellers, excuse me, for um, that will sell at a particular rate if you buy a certain amount. And the, they already have preset prices. So it makes it really easy to buy from them. And so imagine like if you're a candle maker on Etsy, you might be selling individual candles to your customers, but then they might also be a seller on Etsy Wholesale. And they give, you know, create discounts. So every 12, you get it for X amount of dollars. You're buying wholesale from them. You do have to apply though. So for all of these things, you want to make sure that you're set up as a reseller or a wholesale buyer. So depending on your state or your country, wherever you are, take a look at what that is. So I know in California, you have a resale license. And Mina, you said in Iowa, it's a resale certificate. Yeah, a reseller certificate. So then that way, a lot of times they'll ask you, do you have a reseller certificate? Then we won't charge you sales tax because you are then charging it to the end customer if that purchase was made in Iowa or whatever. So (laughs) a lot there, but you get what I'm saying. Get that reseller certificate or license. And sometimes if they don't have it, what they'll ask you for is like your EIN numbers, your federal tax ID. So basically they can associate you with a being a company. And so when they're doing their own paperwork, they're able to prove that they're selling it to you at no tax because you are reselling it. Yeah. I would hesitate to do this as a DBA because your number is usually your social number. If you don't have an EIN, that means you're giving away your social number to a lot of people. So just get that reseller certificate and get an EIN. It's so easy and it's free. That way you'll be kind of a company entity on its own. Totally. Okay. So the next one is Googling particular keywords. So If you Google wholesale, let's say you want to find a bath bomb. So you Google wholesale bath bomb or you Google bulk 
bath bomb or you Google made in the USA bath bombs, you know, so you get the idea. You become a Googling machine because a lot of times when you're looking up stuff on Google, there's things that you can do that pull up different things because not everything is linked to specific keywords. Like they're not showing up for that. So then like you, if you know, to put quote marks in front of something that includes them looking for the entire phrase. So if I Googled wholesale bath bomb, it would be looking for those keywords separately, wholesale bath and bomb. But if I put that in quote marks, it's looking for that together, wholesale bath bomb, the entire phrase. And also maybe they don't have that word on their website and they only have bulk. So instead of doing that, you would put bulk bath bombs or you would put reseller bath bomb. You know, so get creative and see which things pull up. If you are already Googling wholesale bath bomb, that does not mean that you also encompass bulk and lots of or, you know, all those words that mean the same thing. And then also the same with like eBay. Um, If you go into eBay, which we didn't mention, but if you go into eBay, you can do the same thing. You can Google within eBay and put lots of, you know, you do know what a lot is. (laughs) I feel like I'm not saying it right. An an L-O-T. So a lot. Not a lot. Lots of. (laughs) Like a lot is usually a box of stuff, you know, a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Also, like, let's say you're ordering buttons or something like that. We talk about that in gross. So it's 144 pieces of something. So depending on where you're sourcing from or what type of product you're buying, there's different ways of bulking them together, like a bushel of, you know, apples. Google bushel of apples. (laughs) So doing that on Google and on eBay, if you so choose, it could be where you're Googling it on, I said Googling on eBay, but you get what I'm saying, you're searching Searching. on eBay, um, just so you get the words of what people are searching for, because people phrase things in different ways, obviously, you know, on each website, and they might not pull up for those keywords. I find so many different sources and everything simply by Googling. Because that is my initial research, right? So let's talk about that because I think people get stuck here. So what you're basically telling everyone is if you're going to do a Google search to put in quotes, for example, wholesale bath bombs, do your, do your research, comb through the pages, and then do another search that says bulk bath bombs, mm-hmm. right? Multiple searches. Yeah. And then let's say you go into that bath bomb site and you realize, you know, the one that I really like is the honey and oatmeal one. Then you say, you put into the Google machine, wholesale, honey, oatmeal, bath bomb, because you're searching for those words, right? So you find different sources for all of that. And so it's just giving you ideas and you need to dig as deep as you can on these keywords because different things pop up all the time. Um, Try not to click on the ads at the top because, well, I guess, who cares? I mean, you can click on the ads. Um, those are the people that pop up because they're paying and not so much because they are the highest ranked keywords. They're not the most relevant is what I'm saying. So that's a way of doing it where you can just start your initial research and you can find total gems because a lot of those people, you know, going back to the traditional model and new model, a lot of the people that have been on the internet for a long time, have established keywords. So if you're finding a wholesale bath bomb, it's likely that that website has been around forever doing a lot of wholesaling. So they, you know, because it's hard to rank for like a newbie company that you might not trust so much, but this could be a company that all they do is wholesale bath bombs. And that is true. There's so many people out there. So one sort of pointer and tip for everybody is depending on what kind of subscription box you're doing and what products you're putting into it, make sure that you know that they're you know, that they're qualifying. So for example, if you're doing a kid box that you have, you know, whether it's choking hazards and you have warnings to that, I know a lot of kids products, there's lead testing that you have to do. So as you're sourcing, know your industry or know, know what you're doing so that you can ask the right questions. For example, I'm going to talk about fashion again, like kids clothing in terms or sleep clothing is flammable or not flammable. So don't just source something and think it can the uh, kids' pajamas if it's not made for that. So same with these bath bombs or if you're going to do any sort of food product or anything like that, you just want to make sure that it's all in line or if you have to have warnings that say like may contain nuts, you know, mm-hmm. things like that, that we just want you to also be aware that there are also guidelines because just pretend 
that you are a physical shop and treat the products you're giving your customers as if they were walking into a physical shop. Yeah. Just like the fidget spinner, right? That was so huge. And there were so many recalls from people who were buying um, fidget spinners because the manufacturers, some of them had lead in them. So not every fidget spinner is created equal is the lesson there. That's <laughs> why you could buy a $30 fidget spinner or a $5 fidget spinner from like a countertop because it blew up so big. So just be aware, especially I'm going to tell you all when you're getting into like cosmetics, kid products, food items, you know, not typical clothing, that sort of thing. Just be super hyper aware of what you need to do legally to sort of protect yourself, which would be another reason why you probably don't want to do this as a DBA, but you won't, you'll want to talk to your attorney or your CPA on how to establish yourself as a business, if not already, to protect yourself. Yeah, definitely a good point. And also just a good reason to really do business with those legit people, legit. you know? Yeah. Right. So next one is retail stores, looking at a particular item and seeing where it's dist- distributed from. So I used to do this back in my scrapbooking days. I used to do events and it was 300 women every single year and they would get a goodies bag. Sometimes people call this a swag bag, but each person would get it and I would put in scrapbooking items. So it would be like, you know, different markers, different kits, different, I don't know, scrapbooking stuff. I can't even remember. Stamps, things like that. And I would actually go to like Joanne's Fabrics and Michael's, all those craft stores and look at the particular item and see where it was sourced from or see what brand it was. Sometimes it's a white label, a just like an off, I don't know what we do, like a something that doesn't have a label. So Michael's is selling it, but it doesn't have a particular brand. So you'll see that a lot with toys distributed by blah, blah, blah. And that's because the distributor has like a ton of toys under its, you know, distribution. And so you go there and you see, you know, ABC distribution, and then you contact them to see where they're buying from. You can also do this at like Office Depot, Staples, any of those, because a lot of times they're buying in certain amounts and then you can just go find the distributor or find the the brand that you can contact directly because obviously they are selling wholesale because Staples or, you know, Office Max or whatever is buying from them. So I would basically go to craft stores and I would source that stuff and I would buy 300, which they were more than happy to sell me at a discounted price. And this would be twofold, right? So this could be boots on the ground or fingers at the computer because if you're online and you're shopping on Michael's or what, what any of these places and you start to see a product that you really like, you can contact them by searching them also on the Google machine as Mina calls it. Yeah, I got that from Nat G. <laughs> did you? Yeah. I love it. And so you can source that way. So did we talk about Alibaba yet? We didn't. Um, I kind of mixed those two up in order. But yeah, the reason why I said, because that's how you actually have to find them. So you first put your boots to the ground by going into Michael's, but you do have to find, you have to do that secondary search by actually finding their website. You don't want to, you know, just find them in the yellow book or the, the, you know, you want to be able to go to a website. So that if that should be your, what is that, your bottom line or whatever, your gauge. If it doesn't have a website, don't buy from them. And now the only, the other thing though to think about, let's just let's talk about a big product, right? So Avery Labels, for example. If you went to AveryLabels.com, there may not be a place there because it's front facing to the customer for you as a wholesale buyer to connect with them. So the smaller the company is, they may have a like, a lot of times in fashion, you know, there's like a wholesale link or it says like contact us or wholesale inquiries. Um, so smaller they are, they have that. Otherwise, you're going to want to figure out a way to reach corporate. They're, and they can be a small company still and have a quote, quote unquote corporate headquarters to be able to contact a salesperson or to be linked to that person. Yeah, you should actually be doing this anyways for your business because there was one company that I found at Office Max and they did super cute little first aid kits for kids that look like monster faces. And I thought, you know what? I really want to do a collaboration with them. I'm going to look for their website. And so I looked up their information. I just took like a photo with my iPhone and then reached out to them later on. So it's something where, you know, you could be doing that anyways for your business, even if you don't have a subscription box where you're sourcing, you're reaching out to them for a collaboration on like a giveaway or something because they have something super cute that would go with your brand. So 
So every time you walk out of your house, basically is another place for you to source. So just keeping in mind, whether you're keeping notes in the notes part of your, of your phone, you're taking photos, which I do now, like if someone gives me a business card or a phone number, I basically, I just take a picture of it and throw the business card away because it's literally just going to end up in like a cup in my house <laughs> where I store all my other business cards. So taking photos and then making sure that you stay on top of it and organizing it. So I think the last part for the wholesale or the online type sourcing is Alibaba and AliExpress. Yeah. Alibaba and AliExpress are the Chinese suppliers or they're not so much Chinese. I would say 90% Chinese though. Yeah. But they basically connect you with the factories over over there and over yonder in China. Um, Alibaba definitely has huge minimal order quantities. So more than thousands, but AliExpress does like, you know, a dozen or even sometimes one. So a lot of times, you know, I feel like I'm cracking the, um, you know, how have you ever watched that episode of How I Met Your Mother where somebody tells or when one of your friends points out something and then they ruin it for you because then you start seeing that item. Oh yeah. You start seeing that thing. So one of them was like, haven't you ever noticed that Lily chews, you know, chomps really hard when she's eating? And then, you know, the other friend was like, oh my gosh, I never did. But now you've ruined it for me. So mentioning AliExpress, now that you know about AliExpress, you'll go on there and you'll be like, oh my gosh, I've been seeing these items everywhere. And yeah. this is where they've been sourcing them. Because... I see that all the time, all the time. There's so many people that source from AliExpress. So be very careful what you get there, but they've got some, they've got some cool stuff. Yeah, so there's someone, some of the feedback we've gotten from people are, again, you want to order samples because sometimes the product isn't that great. And like we said, they're coming from overseas. So you have to make sure that they qualify for like, you know, do they have certificates for lead testing or you know, you just want to basically see the product and qualify it for your own customers and for your business. AliExpress, like Mina said, is smaller and the prices are a bit higher. Alibaba is sort of this bigger search tool. Whatever the case, and this is my tip, especially if you're a female, depending on the country you're dealing with, come off masculine and very business-like. So sometimes they respond quicker to, I'm sorry to say this, but men. And white, so, white men. Yeah. So if you want to put a picture of a white male on your um, profile pic, feel free because it's true. Being an Asian woman having to deal with Asian um, or Chinese suppliers, they did not take me seriously for a minute because they're just like, oh, that's my homegirl, Mina, you know, or not really. <laughs> they totally said that. <laughs> no, we just, not really. They're just like, we don't take her seriously. But they, they do get a lot of, they do get a lot of inquiries. So um, as you're asking, ask the right questions, make sure that you're asking the right questions and, and in the right way. So just to shoot you, I, we could actually put a link to it because I've got questions to ask at like a textile show as a freebie for a designer consulting co-op. And, but you guys could use these terms as well, or maybe we'll do that for for our peeps um, in our Facebook group that will do a sourcing questions. So basically the right questions to ask so that you're asking, like if they say, well, what are your MOQs? You need to know what an MOQ means, right? And so, and that's basically the quantities, like your minimum order quantities. So if they ask you that, you might get stumped and we just want to make sure that you're asking the right questions. So for example, oh, okay, your minimum is a hundred pieces. And you might think, you get all of them for 100 pieces when it might end up being every color is 100 pieces or 100 pieces per size per color. So you just want to ask the right questions to be taken seriously. Yeah, I've gotten stumped one time when it was, um, it's like little punch out stars and it said 500 pieces, but they meant the number of stars in the package, not the 500 packages that I was visioning in my head. They said, uh -huh. yes, there's 500. Five, you get 500. Really? Because I ended up getting 500 stars and that was not enough. <laughs> and that's like what happens even if you order on Amazon, because like when I do birthday parties and stuff like that for my kids, I'll do a lot of the, what are they called? Party favors off of it. Uh -huh. And so the funniest thing is that Christmas this year, my sister-in-law ended up buying my son some things off of Amazon and she literally gave him a pack of glow in the dark sticks, but like, and they were like, Halloween inspired. And it was a pack of 12 of these glow flower <laughs> individual packages. So she thought she was buying him a glow in the dark stick and she got, you know, 12 packs. And so all of a sudden we had like 12 packs. Oh, and same with like these necklaces for my daughter. Basically they both got 12 packs of the same. Yeah, <laughs> which would be an amazing surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's just that, that depending on where you're ordering from, like knowing what you're ordering. Yeah, for sure. And there is that communication 
barrier right there because they're Chinese and they they might not understand exactly what you're asking. So make sure you know exactly what you're getting and that it's exactly what you want. And the shipping, because when it comes from overseas, like you also, anything that's you're going to order, you're also going to want to know about that shipping. So landed prices, meaning sometimes if they'll import it to a certain port, for example, like the Los Angeles port, they'll tell you the price for that versus them getting it from LA to, let's see, you in Iowa. So all of these places, when you're considering buying from them, you also want to consider the shipping and the shipping costs because that's going to have to get built into your per item price and into your margin. Yeah. So before we get into the boots on the ground section, I wanted to kind of challenge you guys to think about something. And that is one of the questions that Jack and I ask our interviewees is that, do you have a persona? So as you become a buyer, I would love it if you guys could build a buyer persona. So you are this amazing buying sourcing whiz, perhaps a wizard that does sorcery. (laughs) I crack myself up. (laughs) sourcing sorcery or whatever that will make it fun because you know what? You do have to become a whiz at sourcing and you do have to become this buyer persona that is trying to find the perfect thing. You're on the hunt to find the perfect thing. And everywhere you go, even if it's to buy, you know, copy paper for your printer at Staples, you need to be looking around so you can get some ideas and then kind of stuff your pipeline with amazing products that you can source. I love that. So really quick also to jump onto that part. So the other thing is to stay organized. So the longer you're in business, the more you're going to gather and you're going to have to remember. If you find distributors that can meet a lot of your needs, great. Otherwise, as you start, let's say you're doing these sources for the sourcing for the bath bombs and you might find something else. It might lead you somewhere else that you're finding like bubble bath or whatever. Grab that source put it down, have somewhere that you're noting all of this information, like the website or whatever that you need to keep the phone number um, and what the product is. Because when you need to source four months from now for the next four months of your subscription box, you can then go back and be like, you've done this work. And these, these little paths are going to lead you to a whole bunch of different places. It's like me on Pinterest, you know, like you select something and then you like, oh, great. And then it gives you the supporting images and you select that. And you don't even know how you found yourself. To, like I found my way to hot tubs that I was like, oh, should we do a hot tub on our patio this morning from looking, <laughs> <laughs> from looking at landscaping because we're buying a house. <laughs> So it led me all the way there. Things I didn't expect I was going to get to, which then led me to looking up the price of a hot tub. So just keep track of everything. And then if you get samples, you may also want to consider like samples for you to try and samples for you to keep as your part of your sourcing pack or sourcing area. Yeah. I encourage you instead of bookmarking all these on your Chrome or your Safari, instead have an Excel spreadsheet. So, you know, name of the company, um, their website, the contact person, if it has it, their phone number, what item piqued your interest and what your initial notes are. There's, I get so many ideas. So if I stumble across a bath bomb and I get this initial idea of, oh my gosh, I love honey, you know, honey oatmeal one, And I think I should use that for my, I don't know, my bees theme, whatever. Sometimes that idea eludes me for four months from now and I can't remember why that product intrigued me. So put it in your notes. So it would be, you know, product that interested you and then notes would be really cool in a bee theme or whatever, you know, or a yellow theme or whatever, you know, spring. And let's say you're forecasting your year or the next six months and I don't know what month are we in? We're in April of 2018. So let's say you're starting this from June through the rest of the year, June through December. You could actually, and you should be planning out each month, whether it's a theme or whatever the ideas, or maybe there's an item that you love so much that you'll put different items per month and then you're building around those items. So if you could start creating the theme to your box for the next six months, you'll have probably your high ticket item down to your kind of like lower ticket item. And you can put in your notes basically like, oh, this would be great for this bee theme or for spring sort of thing, like a spring box. And so that way, if you don't end up doing a bee bee theme box or whatever, you've got that source. So next spring, when you come back to it, you've remembered that you think this would be a good idea for that box. So you want to meet your needs. And so Mina, I was thinking too, in our Facebook group, because we have a VIP Facebook group for people. So you've heard about it and we'll tell you again. Um, 
CrateJoy is offering a free two-week trial with no commitment and no credit card required for all of you um, to our listeners to basically try the back end of CrateJoy, which we're here to fully support you in. And so in that, we also want to continue to support you through the two-week trial via a special Facebook group that we are setting up for everyone that signs up for that two-week trial. The way to get in to our Facebook group is by sending the product boss at gmail.com, a screen grab that you've signed up for that free two-week trial. And so this is the bonus I'm going to offer all of you. If you do that and you end up in our Facebook group, we will have two really cool things in there for you. Those sourcing questions. So the free, the list of questions to ask that are general, but you'll be able to use that while sourcing. And we'll create an Excel sheet for you with these little notes on there for you that say basically the source and the information we want you to tag and keep track of so that you can use that when sourcing. So that will be for you in our private Facebook group page. If you email the product boss at gmail.com with a screen grab that you signed up for your free two week trial for great joy. And to get to that link, you go to our show notes. Yeah. So just think about it. You want to keep organized because you're coming across so, 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 so many products and websites and everything. So you just want to make sure that you're treating it as a legit business, just like what we said, and keeping all your information um, accounted for. So instead of keeping all the flyers and the business cards, you have it in the Excel spreadsheet, you know where it is. Maybe it's in your Dropbox, maybe it's in your Google Drive, maybe it's in your you know, Evernote, wherever that Excel spreadsheet is, you know that that is your place that you keep everything. Okay. So moving on to boots on the ground ideas for sourcing. So number one is trade shows. And we are huge fans of trade shows because they're like this little hidden gold mine of vendors, you know, not really hidden, but small to large, you know. And trade shows are traditional. So if we're going to talk about traditional routes, whether you're a product-based entrepreneur and you're already attending trade shows, or if you you know, are just sort of mulling this idea around, a tr- the trade shows have been the place that people do source. So there are these times and these gatherings that everybody in that industry gets together, flies to that location, and goes to this one place, like this convention center, where they're there to buy according to their season. So that's, you know, Amina and I were at Magic Sourcing, basically, bit different than what we're talking about. But at the same time, fashion brands were there selling their collections for fall 2018. So all the buyers knew that in that week, they were flying to Las Vegas to buy their product for the fall of the year. Yeah, but there was actually there was actually a pool area or whatever it was called that we saw a girl that had like these fringe accessories on her shoes. Do you remember that? Yeah. And uh, super cute. I think it was Holly, actually. (laughs) My brain is coming back to me. And she had these really cute little fringe accessories that went through her laces. And we're like, oh my gosh, where did you get that? That's so cute. And she said that she got it over at the pool. And that is where people are actually making purchases, which that vendor of that shoe accessory would be a great item to include in a subscription box if it was like a beauty box or something. Yeah. So sometimes there's a cash and carry part, but depending on the the size of the trade show and this is the other thing to remember, especially if you're going to a bigger trade show, ask them if they have immediates. What an immediate means is that they have stock of it. So what's their open to sell, basically? What do they what do they have in stock currently? And again, if you're a product entrepreneur, you probably have stuff in stock that you would love to clear through. And so somebody like a, with a subscription box would come and say, hey, what do you have now that I could buy? And by now, it's not walking out of the trade show with it necessarily, but that they could ship to you in the next few weeks. And versus when you're buying at trade shows that are selling stuff for the following season, they have to still go through their production. So it's not going to be ready for you until, let's say this was in February and not going to be ready for you until July or September of the year. So you could pre-source for some of that stuff, but the other things you need are what's more available in the next couple months. Yeah. The reason why I love trade shows is because you can actually touch the fabric and things. So let's say you're sourcing scarves. You can actually see the different materials that you don't know a lot of times what you would, but I don't know a lot of times what like rayon feels like, Mm -hmm. you know, or polyester blend or whatever. Also, we found those swim cover-ups that were like amazing, remember? And we got to see how like different fabrics picked up dye. So you can see things in person and feel and see the colors right there. So that's what I really like about trade shows as well. We also found that backpack guy with like the kids' backpacks. So this guy that was on... 
like kids' uniforms with backpacks. And these backpacks are so cute that Mina and I in our brains were like, what can we do with these? How can we sell these? (laughs) Because they were so cute. So you might not even know what you're looking for when you're walking the halls of these or these rows of the trade shows. And then you'll run into something that's just super awesome and incredible. And that's the point, right? It's this huge market for you to shop at. Yeah. Bringing up the guy that had the school uniforms. So he had really cute school uniforms and that was his entire booth with school uniforms. And then he had like maybe three backpacks to show. So it might not be like their main thing that they're presenting to everybody. Like his was the uniforms, but it could be something that he's able to do. So his capabilities as a manufacturer is to, and he said that the minimum order quantity was like six or something crazy low because he's the owner of that manufacturing company and it was in Florida. So that's what's crazy is that it might be a lower minimum quantity than you think. And so another thing, and we talk about this in the Product Boss in an episode about uh, trade shows basically, but going in prepared. So they're overwhelming sometimes. It's like if you go to a grocery store and you're hungry and you don't know what to buy because you need to eat everything there and you might overshop. So when you do go to a trade show, when you're actually like physically in-person sourcing, sometimes it's really hard to gauge either to pull the trigger and to buy or to write a purchase order, or, you know, you might end up getting a whole bunch of stuff. So if you're prepared with that list, that sort of plan for the next four months or six months of what you need to source and the items and the the price points in there, because you know how much you have to spend in your box. Let's say you have a $15 budget for your box. When you're sourcing these items, then you'll be able to break it down. Like, okay, I'm looking for a $5 item. I'm looking for a 25 cent item. You'll know what you're looking for. And then it's that shopping list. You bring your shopping list and you're able to sort of wrap your head around all the choices. Yes, because you are the buyer. Also for trade shows, where do you find what trade shows to go to? So let's kind of dig into some trade shows that we know of that are really big and then where you can also look as for a directory of them. So one of the ones that I constantly hear about is National Stationery Show. I don't even know if that's called the same thing. Didn't they change their name or something? Maybe. Yeah. So that's in New York. It's a huge one. They don't just sell stationery, but they sell paper goods. They sell accessories. They sell a ton of stuff. That one's in New York. There's also the Las Vegas market. That's different than magic sourcing. Uh, Las Vegas market is just a whole bunch of everything, you know? And so looking at different directories of trade shows. So so these are for people who own boutiques and gift shops usually. This is why they are on their um, website. So the first one is giftshopmag.com. So gift shop magazine, giftshopmag.com slash trade shows. They have a list of so many trade shows that if you were the buyer for a gift boutique or a Hallmark or something, that you would go and source at these shows. So they will have different vendors of every single size. I saw some in Minnesota. There was one in London. There was a whole bunch in Atlanta, just everywhere in the nation. And they they basically have the directory of those. So the first one is giftshopmag.com slash trade shows. We'll have this in the show notes. And the second one was greatrep.com slash trade shows.aspx. Obviously, super hard to remember. That will also be in the, in the show notes. And I came across those, you know how? By my fingers on the keyboard, Googling Google. the heck out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And so trying to find those trade shows and being in person with them, that is so important to finding people you can connect with and brands, little brands that are trying to make a name for themselves. And also, you might just find somebody like that backpack guy that just has the capabilities to do something special that you want him to do. So again, that Googling, let's say wholesale trade shows for something that it is like wholesale trade show cosmetics, wholesale trade show stationery, wholesale trade show kids fashion or kids products or wholesale trade show toys, for example, because all of these things happen. The other thing is depending on the city or country that you're in, if you have a convention center next to you, or you know the convention center in the downtown area where you live, you can actually go to their site and look up what shows are coming. So oftentimes they'll have like a calendar for their year of all the shows that are going to be coming in and out of there. Um, you know, some of them will be, you know, for star, like Star Wars conventions, which is not where you necessarily need to go unless you're a Star Wars box. But other ones will be sort of like these roaming markets that travel and aren't so specific to 
a big place. So for example, we had um, clients do, a couple clients were in the Southern Women's Show. So it was for Southern women's like entrepreneurs. And we had a couple clients of booths there. So if you know about that show, for example, then you can follow where they end up around the country because sometimes they are going to a bunch of different Southern cities. And then depending on if that city is close to you or worth the travel, you can go out there. Yeah. Even if, let's say, you know, going back to your Star Wars convention thing, it's fun to go there because you see a bunch of ways that people creatively bring something to a theme. So Mm -hmm. like the Star Wars ones, sometimes people piece together different costumes that are not actually Star Wars, but they are inspired by Star Wars. And it's just like this sword or that mask. I have no idea about Star Wars in this total. Okay. So how about <laughs> Legos? Because my son is <laughs> Legos. So to do like a Lego convention is has to be branded by Lego. But we went to a Bricks convention in Pasadena in California. And it was Bricks. It was all Lego fanatics, but it wasn't, let's say, Legos branded convention. And the cool thing there that I thought was awesome and for my son and they were like easy entry items was there were people that had an engraving machine right then and there. And on the little Lego people, they could write your name, a number. They could basically like personalize the body of the Lego person. And or you could, you know, Lego does this in their store, but you could put together the different bodies. So if you did a kid's product, you might want to go to some of these shows because then there might be someone there doing some sort of off-branded type item that could be added to your box. Yeah. It's great for ideas, creative ideas, because trade shows really bring out the creativity in people Mm -hmm. for sure. And then they're trying to fit into a theme, whatever that trade show is. So then you can really take something of that industry and bring it to your box and have it be really cool. And you're meeting people that have those capabilities, like I said. So if it's something special, like engraving a Lego, perhaps if your box was you know, something else, not a Lego one or not a kid one, they could be engraving, you know, a, I don't know, like a, <laughs> a backpack or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like, like personalized mm-hmm. embossing, or maybe you give them their own iron on type thing to do. If like, you know, that personalization is really in. So what would be another boots on the ground idea? So I totally forgot to mention this in our fingers on the keyboard section. Um, I wanted to mention it before I forget is that a lot of times I've found people by going to hashtags. So if you go to a hashtag on Twitter or on Instagram, I usually do on Instagram and go to hashtag market. So hashtag market or hashtag wholesaler or hashtag wholesale or hashtag small business week, you can find small brands that have done those hashtags and that you can reach out individually. So it's super easy to find people who are one, if you do hashtag market, you can find, I I found that's how I knew there were so many people in Atlanta. They have so many marketplaces that they actually have venues that are for those markets that had Instagram actual profiles. So I was like, oh, that's cool. So they can tag themselves in that location. And so looking, doing digging, Googling via hashtag, it's not really Google, but you get what I'm saying. Hashtag on Instagram. Searching. Searching yes. <laughs> it's like synonymous for me when I Google. It's just like, you know, searching. But if you put in hashtag small business week or hashtag Mother's Day gift, you might come upon a brand that's trying to do a Mother's Day sale or is part of doing small business week, you know? So I, I love this idea. So we're all small businesses and we're all trying to get out there. And we've talked about this where people say that they're going to market their business by going on social media. So now you're on that other side where they're looking for people to buy their product. So I love that concept of like following smaller brands, finding people like if you hashtag, you know, active where you're going to get the big ones, but you're also going to get the small ones. And when you follow someone, if you guys don't realize this on your Instagram, when you follow, there'll be a bunch of like suggested follows right below that following. And so you could, you could follow them. And so what that does is it leads you to these, like they've also got their keywords that similarly liked people. Um, and you might be able to find other brands there. And actually I follow a lot of activewear people on Instagram because a lot of my clients are in activewear and probably most of the follows I have are that. And I found it by basically you know, that tree of like, I followed Al Yoga, which led me into this person, which led me to that person. And so I'm able to keep my finger on the pulse of that. Now on Instagram, as we know, if you ever need to really fully complain on, on an airline and you tweet them or Facebook them or Instagram them, your complaint, they get back to you pretty quickly. It might be the same thing on social media. So if you're finding a brand that you love and you can contact them 
at them, whatever it is on social media, mention them, you might actually be able to connect with them much faster than trying to find their email address. Yeah. And think out of the box a lot for this too. Like for instance, if you find a hashtag that leads you to, let's say you find a bath bomb person on Instagram. Well, we keep going back to this bath bomb example, but so let's say you have a Star Wars box, Star Wars inspired box, and you're trying to do a bath bomb. Oh my God. A black, like death star yeah, one. There's yeah. ones that are like black galaxy ones and stuff like that. So you could have that. And it's just a creative way to flip a bath bomb idea. You know, so it's like black galaxy or Darth Vader inspired one or gosh, you know, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> She's like, whoever else those bad guys are. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to name off some Star Wars stuff. <laughs> so you kind of flip the idea. So you're finding like the brand or the manufacturer that can do small batch stuff, let's say, and making it into an idea that can be contributed to your subscription box because then there in lies the exclusivity, right? Mm-hmm. They're only going to get that galaxy bath bomb in your your box because you created that with the brand owner, but you had to buy 200 of them, let's say. So there is so much information in this episode about sourcing because I think Nina and I could talk forever. So this is another thing I wanted to bring up before we get to the rest of the boots on the ground options. (laughs) We, We were talking about branded items versus unbranded, right? So sometimes, and do you want to talk about that now or later? No, we can talk about it now. Okay. So for example, if you're buying, let's go to the idea of erasers. If you're going to buy erasers off of AliExpress and they're going to send you a 500 pack of erasers and you're going to divide out those erasers erasers and putting one in each box, you might have to repackage that. So knowing that that's going to go into your cost and that you might have to source something like a little like, what are they called? Lip and peel? Lip and seal. I'm sorry. Lip, Lip and seal. <laughs> I peel them. Seal They're also them. called cello bags. You know? <laughs> so thinking about what kind of bag, and you can get a lot of these things on like uline.com and other mm-hmm. places online. But nonetheless, you want to think about how you're going to repackage because you might not just throw it into the box, right? It needs to be in some sort of self-contained item. Now, back to the bath bomb idea. I mean, I think you were saying that some places that you source from, you might even be able to do branded things. So if you were, let's say your box was called the bath bomb lady. <laughs> I like it. Thank you. Or she da bomb. <laughs> <laughs> I like it even more. Thank you. Um, you were saying that you could then brand it like the she da bomb, like Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bath bomb. If you buy a certain amount and you work it out with them, then you can get your own label on there. So this is kind of private labeling 101. Basically, you can also do this where a lot of people will take, like, let's say, bath bombs, put it under their brand, and sell it at flea markets. Mm-hmm. They didn't manufacture that themselves, but if they know it's artisanal made, they know it's small batch, they just are not doing it themselves, you know? So super smart because they know what sells at a flea market or whatever, but it's the same idea. You're taking that and putting it towards your, you know, subscription box because you are the buyer, just like that buyer is basically selling at a flea market. I was just going to say, so there's a difference, right? So uh-huh. if we talk about like Sparkle Hustle Grow, for example, with Julie Ball, she has products in there, like office type, office supply products for people. Those might, she might actually have post-its by post-its in there because she's giving you cute, maybe they did some cute sort of flower post-it or whatever. And she's giving you that. I actually have on my desk, she did a whole Pinterest box one and I have the cork board on my desk with the little pins. And she had given a little mailer, which we can get to, but of um, like a little class on how to do pinning, for example. These were branded by the other companies. It wasn't Sparkle Hustle Grow brand. So for you, depending on what your product, you have to think about all this when you're developing your subscription box. For example, like if you're a makeup box, you might be sampling a bunch of different makeups. It doesn't have to be from your brand. So just thinking about how you're going to package it within the box. Does it come in its own packaging? Does it have a brand attached to it? Are you going to brand it for yourself? Keeping all of this in mind. I used to subscribe to a kid's box and basically they were sourcing. They were getting items from lots of big companies. Like I was getting to sample big companies items. And so one of the things I got was like a t-shirt from a kid's line. And it was, it just came in the packaging. Like it was in a cello bag folded, but they actually had a little card in it that said you get 25% off. Actually, I think the card was extra that was thrown in, but you get 25% off this product. So Sometimes you can also do deals with these brands you're working with that maybe they're going to offer it a little bit discounted to you, or you can offer them an option of also putting in 
a discount code for your customers. Yeah, super smart. Um, when Julie and I did that episode for the product boss um, with her interview in Sparkle House of Grow, she said that you never know what you're going to come up with in the negotiations. So, but a lot of times you will not get anything free. So just know that it'll be somewhere between, you know, a discounted price and wholesale typically, you know, um, unless you are a huge subscription box brand and you can actually, you know, garner those visibility points and be like, hey, we get 3 million eyeballs on this every single month, you know, or whatever. Something where you're able to, yeah. Like a thousand out a month. Yes. If you're sending out so many a month, um, I mean, this is what FabFitFun does, right? They get brands to completely create something new for them. And I bet you those brands pay next to nothing. Some of them um, get paid next to nothing or they pay to be in there. You know, so it's just the flip side of the model because you're able to offer them something else rather than, you know, the actual cost of the product. So let's talk about some other places to go. Yeah. So um, thinking about um, boots on the ground, what about wholesale districts? This is something so foreign to me, but I'll let Jacqueline talk about this because it's very prevalent in bigger cities. Yeah. So I actually grew up in this world, um, just being in downtown Los Angeles and, and the world that I came from. So in downtown LA, there are wholesale districts where there's a wholesale toy district. There's wholesale. I told Mina, there's like a whole party section where you could buy things for quinceaneras, weddings. There's a whole pinata area where you can get, you know, pinatas and all the things that go in it. So you can buy like 12 packs, 24 packs of bouncy balls and candy and all that. So depending, I don't know in New York because I'm, if you've listened to this podcast, you know, I'm bi-coastal between both coasts. In New York, sometimes there's not a lot of space. So the stores aren't as easy to get to, or there's not as many wholesale stores just sort of within the city. In downtown Los Angeles, there are. So there's clothing sections, there's toys, there's places where there's wholesale shoes. There's even um, like wedding sections where there's things for events and, you know, tiaras and veils and all that. So take a look at the town that you're in or the next big city over and see if there is an industry there. To go back to the trade show idea, and just from my background in fashion, you get trade shows in Los Angeles, San Francisco, typically. Sometimes in the um, Northwest, like the Seattle, Washington type area, especially depending because there's um, like Nikes up there. So there's a lot of like outdoor type trade shows, for example, up there. So depending on what the industry is in the town. So that's the West Coast. And San Diego has some conventions, but let's say LA, San Francisco, and a little bit in the Northwest. Then Texas. So Dallas has trade shows. So there's actual trade shows for fashion there. And thinking about that, like Neiman Marcus, for example, is based in Texas. And so then there's a trade show close to where they are. There's also, like you said, Atlanta trade show. There's a, there's a actual buildings thinking about furniture too. If you look up furniture wholesale, basically what they are, they're marts, like it's a marketplace or a mart. So there's the, um, we used to call it the LA, well, it's the LA apparel mart or fashion mart now, California apparel market center. I don't know. They keep changing their name, but there's different market centers like that. So whether it's for furniture or fashion, or accessories, there are some buildings in certain cities. So if you, and then New York, obviously, don't know so much about in the Midwest, but like you said, I mean, Chicago, I'm sure there are these big towns that people are going through that you'll be able to find all this. And then maybe there are wholesale vendors there. Like I'm in New Jersey now, and I think there's wholesale, there's like a wholesale rug vendor. There's, the further out you get, there are very, there are special businesses that are everywhere. Yeah, there's a lot in Minnesota because there's Target up there, the headquarters for Target, there's Staples Center. Um, the funny thing is when I was walking the floor at Magic Sourcing, there was a whole bunch of vendors from Minnesota. And I would say, hey, neighbor, because, you know, being from Iowa and just the border England. So um, it was just kind of fun to see where that industry is really coming from. Totally. So that covers so the wholesale market. It's, you just need to know the place that you're in. And we have a client that sources for her own retail boutique and she flies to LA to source. Yeah. So it just might take going to those bigger cities that really bring in those people. Um, So the last one that we have is um, those more little um, connecting places. So farmers markets, vendor fairs, craft fairs, art walks. Um, You had mentioned some pop-up places like Unique LA and in Brooklyn and everything, right? 
Yeah. So there's, um, there are some cool places and it depends again on the city you're in and, and who's decided to develop this, but let's say in Los Angeles, there's unique LA. It's an art, it's an artisanal market. So basically it's for handmade. It's basically bringing Etsy to people in real life. And they usually have their show around the holidays and there's sometimes a spring fair, that kind of thing. Um, I think she used to travel also and do it in New York or LA. Now she actually has weekly markets in downtown LA. I used to live in Miami and Miami has Art Walk. I know downtown LA has Art Walk in um, Brooklyn. So there's always farmer's markets in your local areas. So looking at the weekends and what's happening, because think about it. Think about all the people that are showing up there trying to sell their product. Yes, you're going to get the farmers, but then you're also going to get someone who sells the cool sugar scrubs or candles or scents or jewelry and they are trying to sell and if they could all of a sudden meet somebody local that has a subscription box that goes out nationally or globally they would be so excited as you would to meet someone like that that could say like I'd like to buy a hundred of those from you I'd like to buy 500 of those from you imagine if they could find that then they'd be like heck yes I'm gonna buy that from you or I'm gonna sell that to you and then that way you're connecting. So it's just a way to connect and find things that you wouldn't be able to find because they might not even be selling the stores. It might be something they do themselves. I will warn though, if you do meet these smaller businesses at these markets and fairs, you do need them to be able to supply whatever you're asking them for, right? So like 100 pieces of something, 500 pieces of something, you need them to sort of prove that to you. So you're going to want to ask them their lead times and see if they've ever sold, find out how much they've ever sold wholesale. Because when you're working with someone that works from home and maybe does hand-poured candles, who knows if they really can keep up with what you're asking for. So just be very clear with them. Yeah, for sure, that they have the capabilities. In a way, you're asking them to become a manufacturer and that might not be something that they're ready for, for sure. So when I went to Chicago to visit one of my friends, he had moved there and I had stumbled upon the Renegade Craft Fair and I was in awe. There is nothing like that here in Iowa. And it was this huge craft fair and they had so much stuff. Um, that would be a great way to source and meet specific people that could do something, even in my theme that I'm doing. So, you know, Renegade Fair, I think it's not inexpensive to be a part of. So, you know, that those are probably some legit people. And then also, you know, they will give you an idea. It's easier to ask them, hey, do you do wholesale or are you able to give me an order of, you know, 200 candles? in person rather than um, calling and trying to connect with them because you're, you know, you have them right there in person. And here's a bonus tip for as you grow. So if you start to get bigger and you have a ton of subscriptions per month, and we're talking hundreds to thousands, you may be able to collaborate with a bigger business. So it's not like you might have some out of reach or like people that you hope one day you could source from that they may not sell to you right now, or you might want to do collaboration. So let's just say me and I, like we like the Tone It Up girls. They have their own sort of workout program and now they have their own product and it's in Target, for example. If they were reachable and we were a big enough, let's say workout subscription box, we may be able to reach out to them and say, hey, we'd love to do collaboration with you two on this thing that's going to end up in our box. So it could be a product that they can supply. It could be a product that you do that will be co-branded with them. Or it could be something that's easier where maybe they do a workout class just for your subscribers. And it would have like, you'd put a card in that has a special download for your subscribers only. So that's a way to, to reach kind of like bigger people or service-based people that it might even be a download or a link to or something that you're able to put in the box, but it's not a physical product. Yeah. Much easier to do when you have a lot of subscribers, but I love that idea. I love the idea of collaborating with other people because then you're pulling from more than just your audience because they're like, Hey, I was featured in this. We actually came up with a really cool bath bomb. Remember that bath bomb I told you about? It was a dupe of Chanel number five. How freaking cool is that bath bomb, right? Mm -hmm. it, and it lends to like this wonderful luxe feel and idea to it. So something like that. If I had a bath bomb named after me, that was like the Mina bomb, that would be cool. Uh -huh. You <laughs> are the Mina that. bomb. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. You know, so something, we keep going back to the bath bomb idea because it's so simple, right? So something that's versatile and then you can take that idea and, and really play into the theme that you have going on for that month and then sourcing just a whole bunch right at mm. the beginning. 
And let me tell you why we're on top of this bath bomb idea. When you start to see things in uh, TJ Maxx or Target in like their dollar bin, that means it went from being something that was like kind of a special product to all of these big marketplaces knowing or vendors knowing that this was a big thing, that everybody wanted bath bombs. It's the new trend, let's say, in bathing, right? Versus like scrubs or whatever, um, bubble baths, whatever it is. That's the trend right now in that. And so, and they're a low ticket item that you can sell, but there's also really expensive ones too, right? So also, if you're going to be this subscription boss and have your own box, you want to sort of pay attention to these trends. You want to see when they start to hit like discount stores, it's not that it's at the end, but it's going to the masses. So just keeping your finger on the pulse of what's happening within the category and what your customers are asking for. Yeah. The crazy thing is that when I was sourcing for those goodie bags for my scrapbooking show, um, I was on top of everything. Like I knew what trends were going to come out. I knew Chevron was going to come out before Chevron got really big, you guys. I'm not even kidding. So um, that's something where I could have, you know, repackaged something in a Chevron design or or whatever else. Because when you're sourcing, you are kind of right at the cusp of those trends and you can really just be the be the person that brings the trends to your subscribers. So it's really cool because even those bath bombs, for instance, they sell them at Hy-Vee. So I don't know if you guys know what Hy-Vee is, but it's in the Midwest and it's a grocery store. So when it is in the grocery stores or at Whole Foods or whatever, and you're able to do things in a creative way, it's just is really cool. So like if any idea that you can kind of bend and collaborate on, it would be just a such a contribution to your subscription box to be able to collaborate with other people on this brilliant idea of showcasing them and showcasing yourself too. I love that. So remember, we are here to support you. Um, All the notes are in our show notes for you to take a look at if you need to go back to any of these vendors or fairs or marketplaces. And we're so glad that you joined us on this episode of The Subscription Boss. Yeah. Thanks so much, everybody. And good luck sourcing. Just a quick reminder, guys, make sure you sign up for CrateJoy's two-week free trial during the special subscription boss series. It goes until May 25th, and this way you can tap into Jacqueline and my knowledge to help you during this time of adding a subscription box revenue stream to your business. You can find more info or sign up at www.theproductsboss.com slash CrateJoy.